Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Genesis 41. So the chief cupbearer spoke to the Pharaoh, verse 9, and he said, I would make mention today of my own offenses. Now, I think it's the NIV or ESV. It says, I remember my offenses today. Now, this may be a way of humbly entering into the conversation as he was watching from the side. This could be a way of saying he remembers his offenses against or including Joseph. Because two years before, he had said to Joseph, I will not forget you. I will remember you. But now, he sees a convenient moment, and uh, he decides that he'll tread carefully, but... Now he remembers Joseph, apparently when it's convenient for him. Have you ever noticed that people tend to do that when it works for them? So Pharaoh was furious with his servants. Now the the chief uh, cupbearer is talking. And he put me in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard, both me and the chief baker. As I read the way that this is put, I almost wonder if it's a different Pharaoh, but I'll, I'll just leave that to you. And we had a dream on the same night, and he and I, each of us, dreamed according to the interpretation of his own dream. Now, a Hebrew Hebrew youth was with us there, a servant of the captain of the bodyguard, and we related them to him, and he interpreted our dreams for us. To each one, he interpreted according to his own dream. And it came about that just as he had interpreted for us, so it happened, so he restored me in my office, but he hanged him. So... Uh, here's the quick uh, synopsis of what happened a couple of years ago, a couple of dreams. Both of the interpretations by the Hebrew young man came to pass. He leaves out some of the more unseemly details, like he was dejected. Nobody, was will- nobody could interpret his dreams. He was downtrodden. Joseph had to say, what's wrong, boys? He offered to interpret. Those little details are left out. We're pretty good at telling stories in our favor, aren't we? You won't believe how big that fish was. How big was it? Oh. Yeah. Then Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph. So all of a sudden now, there's this young Hebrew guy, and he can interpret. So he called for Joseph, and they hurriedly brought him out of the dungeon, verse 14. And when he had shaved himself, which was the way that the Egyptians approached life, the Hebrews, of course, wore beards and grew up their facial hair. The Egyptians were clean-shaven, and he changed his clothes, and he came to Pharaoh. You want to talk about a sudden reversal of fortune? Staggering, right? Here you are in the dungeon. He's got some sort of leadership role, but this can't be the prettiest place to try to exist and live. And all of a sudden, word comes down, hey, the Pharaoh wants to see you. Get cleaned up. Here's some old spice. We're going to give you a little shower. And off to the Pharaoh you go. Now Joseph is right before one of the most powerful men in all the world with a God-given ability that the Pharaoh desperately needs. We can see moments in our lives like this, right? We, we get cleaned up. We get an opportunity. And then we have to ask ourselves a question. Will I act the same in the presence of the Pharaoh as I would act in the presence of a fellow prisoner? Would I give the same credit to God, to the Pharaoh, as I would to a fellow prisoner? Charles Colson writes a book, and he was talking about life in the White House. 
And he said when he would do tours of the White House, he would take people into various rooms and they would be terribly impressed. And he said if he really wanted to impress them or really wanted to kind of just get them to melt to whatever their agenda was, he would take them to the Oval Office. And they would get special, you know, I think it was the gold, uh, what do you call it, the little cuffs when you get, whatever they're called. Right, they would just spoil you. And he said, he found that people would tend to melt and they would kind of change their tune in the Oval Office. And he said, never more so than religious people that walked in there. He said, they seemed to kind of just cave and, and melt. Well, that was not Joseph. And I pray that that's not you and me. I pray that whoever we're dealing with will be obviously people who are respectful to whatever office one holds, but we will never hold back truth or lack to give credit to our God and our Lord. And so here's Joseph, well-built, good-looking, clean-shaven, probably smells good. And he comes before the Pharaoh, and the Pharaoh quickly gets down to business. He said to Joseph, I've had a dream, but no one can interpret it, verse 15, and I've heard it said about you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph then answered Pharaoh, saying, well, you've heard right, Pharaoh. Yes, it's true. Here's my business card. I've got a video out on YouTube of just how you do such a thing. You see, I've got it perfected now. No, he didn't do any of that, did he? You know, when someone gives us a little bit of praise, it reveals kind of what we're about, doesn't it? <laughs> Have you ever had a moment where someone was... Right? And you were just, yeah, that's right. Just keep it coming. <laughs> yeah, it's all true. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't take much. So when Pharaoh said, hey, I've heard this about you. You've got this great ability. Joseph said, it's not in me. Now, if you're thinking just, you know, if you're a real practical a uh, pragmatic person, you're like, this is the opportunity of a lifetime. The Pharaoh needs me. I could set my career path. This is my chance. Out of the dungeon. Now, he didn't know everything to expect, but the first thing that he says after he gets buttered up by the Pharaoh is, it's not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. If you're interested in Hebrew, he says, ha Elohim, the God. See, the Egyptians thought Pharaoh was a god. And Joseph says, the god will give the interpretation. Where does he live? In a polytheistic, idolatrous land where everything seems to be a god and a goddess, including the Pharaoh. And what does Joseph say? Oh, no, 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 no. Whatever you've heard about me, it's not in me. In fact, the word used is bilade in Hebrew, a single word of self-deprecation. In essence, what Joseph said is, not me, God. Not me, God. Now, I know sometimes when athletes get interviewed and interviewers want to talk about the X's and O's of the game, so what did you really do to make that play, and how did it really go? And Well, first of all, I want to give Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, the credit, because without him, I... Okay, yeah, 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 but, but when you threw that pass, right... And they want to brush by it. 
But when we have a platform to give God praise, we should, right? Not obnoxiously, but Joseph said, look, not me, ha Elohim. He will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. In Genesis 40, verse 8, when Joseph was talking to fellow prisoners, he said, do not interpretations belong to, to God? Tell it to me, please. Joseph was the same man before a prisoner as he was before the Pharaoh. Am I? Are you? Are we impressed by people's you know, positions so much so that we change? Can we, can we turn on a dime from who we say we are in one context to another? I know sometimes we try to earn the right to be heard in certain places. I'm not, I'm not uh, making fun of that or brushing that aside. But Joseph's words in the NIV are, I cannot do it, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Joseph was asserting that the true God was above all the false gods of Egypt, including the Pharaoh, a point God himself will drive home at least 10 times in the next book, which is the book of Exodus. Amen? So Joseph's words are almost prophetic in a sense. And so Joseph was placing his faith in God. I hope that we can be consistent. This is what struck me, uh, that um, Joseph was a consistent man. He was not ashamed of the gospel. Look, if we're gonna come into church and say, this is who we are, but we can't go to a restaurant and say, this is who I am, or if I can't be you know, uh, out in a hobby or coaching somewhere and say I'm a Christian, if we're you know, a secret agent Christian, hopefully people don't have to guess who you are. And I think a lot of what Joseph earned was through his work ethic and his character. Look, if a Christian does want to win the right to be heard, then God's favor will be upon the believer, but not if the believer is not doing what they're supposed to do. Amen? So I think work ethic and character say a lot. Now, Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, and he said, In my dream, behold, I was standing on the bank of the Nile, and I was going to tell what he dreamed. And behold, seven cows, fat and sleek, 18, came up out of the Nile. They grazed in the marsh grass, all what he had dreamed. And lo, seven other cows came up after them, poor and very ugly and gaunt, such as I had never seen for ugliness in all the land of Egypt. <laughs> That's a little addition. These are the ugliest cows I'd ever seen. And the lean and ugly cows ate up the first seven fat cows. Yet when they had devoured them, it could not be detected that they had devoured them, for they were just as ugly as before. <laughs> Isn't that great? They ate them up, you would think something would have happened, like they would have got a little plumper or something. Nothing. They were scary, ugly, red, glowy eyes. <laughs> no, I just added that. And he says, then I awoke. I saw also in my dream, behold, seven ears. Dream number two, full and good. Came up on a single stalk, and lo, seven ears, withered, thin, and scorched. By the east wind, sprouted, out, sprouted up after them. And the thin ears swallowed the seven good ears. Then I told it to the magicians, but there was no one who could explain it to me. These guys right here in their pajamas. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. If Pharaoh is a god, why is he so helpless right now? If he's a god, why can't he just provide the, his own interpretation? Why does he need some Hebrew guy from jail? 
Interesting. Walter Brueggemann explains, the future of Egypt does not depend on Pharaoh. He does not get to decide. In fact, Pharaoh is irrelevant and marginal to the future of the kingdom. Joseph has calmly announced to the Lord of Egypt that the future is out of his hands. Interesting. Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael Lance and this is Living Truth Radio and we'll be back to the teaching in a moment. I want to tell you about a special offer that we have available at Living Truth Radio. It's a book that I've written called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. It's all about spiritual warfare. It's all about how to overcome temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it's a special offer. Go to our website, livingtruthradio.org. Click on the donate button. And for any donation, we will send you a copy of that book. Just let us know in the contact form that you'd like a copy of that book. And now, back to the teaching. Turn for a moment to Isaiah 45. Isaiah 45. So when you look at world leaders and rulers and things that they do, ultimately God is sovereign over even them and decisions that they make. And God will weave it together towards his ultimate goal. Isaiah 45, interesting address to Cyrus, king of Persia. And here's what it says. Isaiah 45, it's in a Great section about God comparing himself to the false gods of the nations. And he says these words. Isaiah 45, 4. For the sake of Jacob, my servant, and Israel, my chosen, I have also called you by your name. I have given you a title of honor. Though you have not known me, I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I will gird you, though you have not known me, that men may know from the rising of the setting, uh, from the rising to the setting of the sun, that there is no one besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these. Drip down, O heavens, from above. Let the clouds pour down righteousness. Let the earth open up and salvation bear fruit and righteousness spring up with it. I, the Lord, have created it. If you go back to Genesis, you know that God's greater purpose, what's going on here is that he is setting things up so that Israel can be cared for. The family of Joseph will end up coming to Egypt so that the line can be protected and the Messiah of the world can be born. God is doing what he's doing. He has put these dreams in the heart of Joseph, in the heart of the cupbearer and the baker, and in the heart of Pharaoh. When Jesus was standing before Pilate, Pilate was a little surprised at his responses, and he said, don't you know, I have the authority to crucify you, or the authority to release you, don't you understand? And Jesus said, you would have no authority unless it first been given to you from above. But he who handed me over to you has the greater sin. Jesus acknowledged, yeah, Pilate, you have some authority, but your authority is only under the sovereignty of God, and it's limited. And of course, I shared with you in a message recently that Pharaoh committed suicide after that time with Jesus, just a, it seems a few years afterwards. Now Joseph, verse 25, back in Genesis 41, said to Pharaoh, Pharaoh's dreams are one and the same. 
God has told Pharaoh to Pharaoh what he is about to do. I want you to notice that Joseph's interpretation is God-centered. He said, it's not in me, it's God. Now he says, God has told you, Pharaoh, what he is about to do, God-centered. The seven good cows are seven years. The seven good ears are seven years. The dreams are one and the same. Can you imagine if you're a wise man sitting by, shoot, I wish I would have known that. Sounds so easy now, doesn't it? <laughs> Talking about it. What does it mean? I don't know. What do you, I don't. So simple. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years. The seven thin ears scorched by the east wind shall be seven years of famine. It is as I have spoken to Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh, God has done it, what he is about to do. Behold, seven years of great abundance are coming in all the land of Egypt, represented by the seven plump. And after them, seven years of famine will come, represented by the seven thin. And all the abundance will be forgotten in the land of Egypt, and the famine will ravage the land. So the abundance will be unknown in the land because of the subsequent famine, for it will be very severe. Now, as for the repeating of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it means that the matter is determined by who? God and God. Every time you see this, it's Ha Elohim, the God, the God, the God, not your gods, not you, the God, will quickly bring it to pass. As Pharaoh pondered the interpretation, Joseph now presents a plan. He says, and now let Pharaoh look for a man discerning and wise. I don't know if you peeked over at the wise men. <laughs> and set him over the land of Egypt. A man who is discerning and wise is the model of a Proverbs man or woman. Here are the reasons the Proverbs were written. To know wisdom and instruction. To discern the sayings of understanding. To receive instruction in wise behavior, righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the naive to the youth, knowledge, and discretion. A wise man will hear and increase in learning, and a man of understanding will acquire wise counsel. That's Proverbs 1, 1 through 5. Look for a wise man. If you are hiring, if you're an owner of a company, if you are a manager, listen to these uh, uh, just descriptions of a man. Discerning and wise. <clears throat> Let Pharaoh take action. You're going to want a man of action. To appoint overseers in charge of the land, 34, let him exact a fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven years of abundance. Then let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain for food in the cities under Pharaoh's authority. Let them guard it. Guard it. Let the food become as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which will occur in the land of Egypt. Can you imagine being some of the wise men around? Shoot, this guy's smart. So, so the land may not perish during the famine. Now the proposals seem good to Pharaoh and to all his servants. They're all nodding their heads. And Pharaoh said to his servants, can we find a man like this? And whom is what? A divine spirit? Wait a minute. I thought Pharaoh was the one with the divine spirit. Hold on. ESV New King James says, in whom is the Spirit of God. I was reading James Montgomery Boyce this week, and he said this is the first mention in the Bible of the work of the Holy Spirit. If this is the best way to interpret this, 
that a pharaoh, a pagan, sees the spirit of God in a man or a woman of God. Do you think that pagans notice that you're a Christian? Do you think that they can notice when you, the favor of God rests upon you? Do, th do you think that they can notice by your responses? Did you guys see the story of the guy that was on the plane? If you watch Fox News, you saw it about 7,000 times. Anyway, and this woman is given the business to this Christian guy because he just said he was visiting D.C. It was tied to the inauguration, as I remember. And basically, he was just there to celebrate democracy, is what he said. And she went off. And she just started giving him the business. And he sat there and took it. And then they, they kicked her and her husband off the plane. <laughs> and it was so funny because her husband's looking down the whole time while she's going on and on and on. You feel bad for him. And anyway, they get kicked off the plane. They interviewed the guy, and he said, he goes, I don't know what her problem was. He goes, I was just sitting there. She asked me a question. I responded. He goes, all I was trying to do the whole time she was talking to me is show her the love of Jesus. And I'm like, man, can you imagine? You're up against the window in a plane. <laughs> this woman's giving you the third degree. You're like, whoa. Well, anyway, it turned out that... Uh, he was able to give witness to his Christian faith, and she was given the business apparently to everybody that would listen to her or even that wouldn't. The brilliance of Joseph's advice is 20% times seven. Uh, call it a, a 20 times seven years savings plan was uh, obvious to all of them. He would decentralize the stored grain, making it easy to distribute in times of famine. I don't think Joseph was doing self-promotion here, by the way. I think he was just coming up with a solution. It's good to have an interpretation, but it's also good to have a solution. If you want to hire somebody, look for a man who is wise, discerning, a man of action, and a man who has solutions, right? If you hire somebody, you don't want to just hear about what the problem is or even the understanding of a matter, but how to solve it. And there was a lot at stake. Not just for Egypt, but there was a lot at stake for Joseph himself and a lot at stake for the family he hadn't seen for 13 years because that family is going to face the famine as well. And Joseph is going to become an instrument for Almighty God and God's working on so many levels that even Joseph can't see everything that's going on. And that's true of you and me, by the way. God's often working in areas and on levels that I don't see at all, and then sometimes I'm able to look back and say, wow, God is, I often say, God is, he just amazes me. So Pharaoh was unknowingly giving the true God praise by saying, hey, the, I see the spirit in him and so forth. And I do ask the question quite often, can people see the spirit in me? I hope so. Can they see Christ in me, the hope of glory? <clears throat> uh, just a little bit from my notes. When a man or a woman is touched and empowered by God, there will be an inevitable difference in their lives and their leadership. It would appear that most of Joseph's witness was in his integrity, his character, his work ethic, his leadership, and they all flowed from the favor of God. If you want a good Bible verse, 1 Samuel 2.30 is one to write down, where God says, those who honor me, I will honor. If you honor God, he will end up honoring you. If you dishonor God, good luck. And so 
The mention of the Spirit of God is found in the book of Exodus in regard to Bezalel. He says, I filled him with the Spirit of God. And Colossians 127 says, Christ in us or in you, the hope of glory. Dr. Barnhouse said, the secret power, the secret of power is character, but the secret of character is God. You know, if you want to have a man or a woman who ultimately you can trust, it's because they answer to a higher source. Amen? So if I'm going to put somebody in charge as a steward over my stuff, I'm going to feel good about someone who's a committed Christian. The secret of power is character. The secret of character is God. And so the Pharaoh says, verse 40, you shall be over my house. And according to your command, all my people shall do homage. Only in the throne I will be greater than you. And Joseph had to say, what? Really? Really? Do you think he had a couple of flashbacks to that original dream at the breakfast table? Hey, it turns out you're... Yours are going to bow to mine, right? The family said, you're crazy. What are you talking about? We can also consider, too, that as he was cast into Potiphar's house, he acknowledged God because he said, I don't want to sin against God with Potiphar's wife. He's thrown in jail because of Potiphar's wife, and he interprets the dreams, but he says that God is the interpretation of dreams. So as he's sitting in this prison, do you think he might have even ministered to the prisoners that were there, kind of like what Paul the Apostle did. I think so, Oscar. I think that you can see, even though we don't know every moment of what Joseph was thinking and how he wrestled with his loneliness and his faith, but Mm. in the end, I think we can read between the lines and say that God was blessing him and he had an impact on people. And then later on, just to piggyback on what you just said about God being the interpreter of dreams, later on he says to Pharaoh when finally he is released from the prison and Pharaoh needs the interpretation and God is behind all of it, He says, it's not in me. It's not in me. It's in God. And so it's awesome how this young man continues to defer to God, continues to give God the glory, even though circumstantially his life is a wreck. I mean, he's in prison and there is a parallel with the Apostle Paul who writes prison epistles and Mm. encourages people to be, to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice and here he is in prison. And so it it is, it's humbling and amazing. What a remarkable testimony that this young man had. He's away from his family, away from his land. He is stripped pretty much of everything that is known to him. He's cast into a, a different world, a different culture. Uh, a different land, a different uh, way of life for people that are there. Yet the only one thing that he still had was his relationship with God, and it was it was never in question, never in jeopardy. What can we glean from this in our own lives? Well, there's a great promise in Hebrews 13, 5 and 6 that says that God will never leave us, nor will he forsake us. And it's an emphatic promise. Uh, to the patriarchs, God said, I will be with you wherever you go. To Joshua, be strong and courageous. I, the Lord your God, will be with you wherever you go. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.